moaning about that toy and get moving. Odd kind of place. Would your folks get it from Boris Karloff? Stay here as long as you like. Wonderful. What's the matter? Afraid of the dog? Yeah. Well, of course not. What's there to be afraid of? This house. We like toys. I'm a doll maker. I make the most wonderful toys. Dolls, puppets, soldiers, ballerinas. They're alive, aren't they? Ralph, stop! You're making them angry, Ralph! <laughs> <laughs> Dolls. So Dolls is a dark fairy tale, and at first you may think that it's going to be a, a film for, for kids, but of course not. It's a horror movie, and it takes a quick turn into something super bloody. Uh, and I'll say that this movie follows a family that's on vacation uh, with their daughter, and uh, they actually encountered this storm that comes out of nowhere and their car gets stuck in the mud. So they decide to stay the night in this, uh, well, at this old mansion. Hello and welcome back to Scream Addicts. I'm Jinx, your host, and that was Zena Dixon talking about Stuart Gordon's 1987 horror film, Dolls. Zena Dixon is your best friend who loves horror movies. She is best known as the real queen of horror, which is the name of her over-the-top YouTube channel and website. Zena, welcome back to the show. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being back on. This is your third appearance on Scream Addicts. You were uh, you were a guest way back in the day when, uh, when really like when we barely knew one another, and uh, yeah. we chatted about a tale of two sisters. I can't believe that's already been like um, three well, years. Like, three has it been three? I think it's been like three. Oh, my God, time is flying. Right. Uh, and then you last year you were nice enough to guest host and you and Jay Giles discussed Bones and now we're talking dolls and I have to ask as always out of any horror movie you might have chosen for this round why go with this one This is one of my favorite movies of all time all time So even when you uh you asked me to describe it it was just like oh my gosh where do I begin like I really want to encourage people to check this movie out if you haven't seen it and I feel like this movie, it came out around the time where, you know, killer dolls, it, it was a thing, you know. But I don't know. This this one, I remember watching it as a kid, and it just, it stuck with me for a long time. Isn't it harder to describe better movies? Like, it seems to me like it's almost easier to describe bad movies. But, you know, <laughs> it, it gets a little harder when the movie gets better and better. And then when you get to the point when it's one of your favorite movies, it's like, you know, you dare not even try and possibly mess up perfection. You know, I, I feel the same way. Like, I, you know, most of the time when I recommend my very favorite movies, I'm just kind of like, um, uh, The Crow. Just watch The Crow. I can't really tell you. <laughs> just, just, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like that. And then, honestly, when it comes to dolls... It's kind of hard to put it in a category because, yes, there are, you know, killer dolls, but it's also a dark fairy tale, but it's also supernatural. But there's also, you know, a haunted mansion. There's a creepy couple. You know, there's there's a lot of things going on. And I remember when I first um, when we first actually had a conversation about this movie, I described the movie to you. I was like, oh, it's just magical, you know. It just has that feeling to it. It does in a way that I think only a mid eighties horror movie can like there is, there's a period in there. Not that there are, you know, there are certainly bad horror movies from the mid eighties, but you know, I, there are also ones that seem to be like, they rode that line perfectly between 
safe for children, kind of spooky, kind of intriguing for younger viewers looking for darker entertainment, you know, but also just pushing the envelope enough where children probably shouldn't see it. Yes. You know, but, uh, and I love that even the kids movies, which were meant for kids back in the mid eighties were edgy, but I think, you know, I, I, I don't see many of that type of film these days. I mean, how, how many horror movies have you seen in the last five years that carried an R rating? Would you say, was also good for kids. Like, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. not going to recommend that an 8 or 10-year-old watch Hereditary as much as I like that movie. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> but but you look at the mid-80s, and it seems like, I don't know, people were okay with making edgier kids fair and also making, you know, R-rated properties kind of intriguing for kids. You know, I'm thinking of something like, uh, you know, weirdly enough, RoboCop. RoboCop is as hard R as you can get. But come on, when you're, when you're like five, six, seven years old and they're pushing a toy line you know, of RoboCop toys, you know, mm-hmm. when the movies are rated, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's intriguing. Like you can't help but want to watch it, or at least I couldn't anyway. And it's kind of the same thing with dolls, you know, dolls rides that line too. And I mean, come on, like how, how many times did you go into, well, maybe I'm older than you, so I I'm dating myself here, but like I, I would go into the video store, like the, my local mom and pop, and I would always see that VHS cover and I would want to watch the movie so badly. But Killer Dolls creeped me out too much, so I never really got around to it when I was younger. In <laughs> fact, I, I can I can publicly thank you now on this podcast because as much of a fan of Stuart Gordon's films as I am, I can't believe I'm going to admit this on air. <clears throat> I had never seen Dolls until I came to your housewarming party. And uh, you, I, we, we, of course, inevitably, we started talking about horror movies. And uh, you were like, you've never seen dolls? <laughs> and two two minutes later, if that, like you're pushing a DVD copy into my hands, like here, just take it, take it, go, <laughs> watch it. And uh, I, I got to tell you, like I, I had just come back to Florida. I just started working at the, uh, oh, the bookstore down here. I had picked up a uh, some sort of illness from that place. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's just the nature of that bookstore, I think. And, uh, I, I remember being laid up, uh, in my apartment for like three days, just ill. And I, mm-hmm. at some point when I was strong enough to stand and pop the DVD and, and watched it, it just made me feel instantly better. And I remember Aww. you saying that it was a magical movie and I was like, well, clearly it is. I feel so much better. And how <laughs> had I never seen this movie before? Now that was my first experience with the movie, which came far too late. When did you first see Dolls? Um, I don't remember the age, but I remember I was young and I remember I was like, it creeped me out, of course, but I remember when it first started, you know, that title sequence and you see the little doll heads as the credits, the opening credits, they're rolling. And then it has that little, you know, that music that sounds like a fairy tale. There's a little mystery to it. And I was just like, oh, well, what's this, you know? And then I remember even with the, the young girl. Uh, Carrie Lorraine, I believe her name is, who plays Judy, the main little girl who's like seven years old. I was probably a little bit younger than her when I watched it. Maybe I was five, six years old. And yeah, it was just, you know, a movie that my mom was watching. And I remember we've had conversations like this before, but my mom is a huge horror fan. So whatever she watched, I watched, you know, and we were best friends in my mind. So it's just kind of like, that's just what best friends do, you know? We're still best friends, by the way, Jinx, just in case if you're wondering. <laughs> but anyway. You, but um, wait a second. You are everybody's best friend. True, this true. Is, this is worth noting. 
But she is True. like, okay, but she is the initials. She is like best friend prime then. Yes, yes, she <laughs> is. Because she introduced me to this. And um, yeah, I remember really just falling in love with the movie. And then I, rem I remember I forgot the title. Don't you hate when this happens? You, you forget the title, and but you only remember a particular scene. And the scene I remember... Um, it was actually with Enid when she was um, getting slammed up against the wall, which is a it's a horrible. So why am I laughing at that? I don't know, no, but, but 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 I yeah, it's kind of funny. And right, that's, that's true. So much in the movie, it's like horrible things happen, but they happen to bad people, so you can't right. help but giggle a little bit. Yes, and so I remember that part. And so when I was a teenager, I found it. I found a copy. Actually, my mom uh, she had like the DVD. So I was just like, oh, man, I'm going to take this with me. And I, you know, I just held on to it. You know, I remember just keeping it in my room because I didn't want to lose it again. It was that good, you know. And I would keep it with my own personal collection. And then years later, it's just I've, I've noticed that a lot of people, um, they haven't, they kind of missed out on this movie, too. Um, I think it's because, you know, you didn't, at the time, you really didn't hear about it too much um, because even with, the passing of Stuart Gordon, which is, I'm so, it's it's just so horrible. I've never had an opportunity to meet him. But with the passing of him, you know, I remember a lot of people, you know, talking about, you know, Reanimator, um, From Beyond, you know, even Body Snatchers, Castle Freak, you know, a lot of people, they were talking about those movies of his, which those are great too. But I felt like dolls needed that. And I think maybe people just kind of thought, maybe, Maybe either they just missed out on it because sometimes that happens. Because I think I, I told you this, but I missed out on watching Popcorn um, as a kid. And I remember always seeing the poster and seeing the DVD or the VHS. And I just never watched it for some reason, you know. And then I watched it, like, honestly, like a couple of, well, it was probably, like, earlier this year or, or uh, the end of last year. And I, like, really liked it. So, yeah, that's I think the point great. is... <laughs> I went down this whole rabbit hole. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. The point is, um, I found this movie at a, oh, I watched it at a very young age, and I've always just been so in love with it, and I've been just kind of holding on to it. So whenever I do come across, you know, someone who, you know, they're, even if you're not, like, a huge, like, doll horror fan, you know, if you're a fan of just even Stuart Gordon, um, if you're open to watching maybe just like an 80s movie that you missed, I always try to recommend this to people. And I'm going to start doing that now as well, because I, th I think you're right. It's one of those movies that for whatever reason kind of slips through the cracks. And I think in my case, like, you know, I'm a huge Stuart Gordon fan. There was a period <laughs> where, uh, you know, there was a podcast that did kind of a retrospective interview with him way back in the day. I think it was around 2014, 2015, something like that. And I kind of went off and tried to watch as much of his stuff again as I could. You know, I revisited movies like Reanimator and, mm -hmm. you know, From Beyond, Dagon, of course, Castle Freak. Yeah. But I also started checking out some of, like, the lesser seen stuff that I, you know, I hadn't gotten around to by that point. Like King of the Ants and Edmund and, you know, some of those uh, Stuck, which is a great movie. And yes. for whatever reason, I, again, I never got around to Dolls. And part of me thinks that... You know, I had always sort of lumped it in in my mind with other kind of lesser, schlocky, not great killer doll movies that came right. out in that period. And so it just it never occurred to me, even though mm -hmm. I knew it as trivia, 
in my mind, it never occurred to me that it was really a part of his filmography. So even, I got to admit, like when you passed the DVD along to me, I was like, oh, this is really nice. I'm going to check this out at some point. You know, it, it wasn't like an immediate kind of thing. But then as soon as I watched it, I was like, it's one of those things like, where has this movie been all my life? You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we joke about it now, but it's like whenever there is a movie that has come out that for whatever reason slipped through the cracks or is underrated or needs uh, kind of a reappraisal from audiences or the horror film community. Um, we, we hope that some place like Scream Factory or Arrow will put out a special edition because for whatever reason that that. You know, it gets it shines a new light on the movie and it allows people to sort of, uh, you know, look at it with new eyes. Hopefully, you know, in some cases, I, I know, like, I'm never coming around on Creepshow 2. It's just not going to happen. I don't care how great that Arrow Blu-ray is. It's just I'm, uh, Creepshow 2 is a no for me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, raft, the Raft is fun. But with Dolls, it seems to me like it almost... I remember it being one of the very first Scream Factory releases mm-hmm. before Scream Factory was Scream Factory in all caps with an exclamation point, you know? And now, like, you you gave me that DVD and, uh, you know, I held on to it and I kept telling myself, at some point I need to pick up that Blu-ray. At some point I'm going to pick up that Blu-ray. And then Mr. Gordon passed away earlier this year and I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to upgrade everything to Blu-ray. I want this man's entire filmography on blue. And what I found was that one Dagon is not out of print, but it's still like 30 bucks if you want to find it somewhere, which I think is too pricey, but that's just me. Uh, The (laughs) second thing is that dolls was out of print and I Mm -hmm. would not drop like 60 or 80 bucks on many movies, Mm -hmm. but I spent way too much money on a Blu-ray copy of dolls. And that bums me out because now that means that, you know, I almost feel like if they had held off for a few years and they had released dolls, then all of a sudden there would have been this resurgence in interest in the film. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like it is a movie that is kind of going to be perpetually falling through the cracks. Or do you think I'm wrong about that? Do you think more and more people are talking about it? Or do you think it's still kind of a, uh, you know, a hidden gem? I I don't know if it's if it's a hidden gem because it's crazy because people I feel like a lot of people know about it. They, perhaps they haven't watched it yet, but sadly, um, perhaps maybe because of Stuart Gordon's passing, perhaps this could encourage them to check the movie out. And I think that they'll be surprised by it. Like, don't get me wrong. This movie is not perfect. You know, it, it is an 80s movie, but it is. I personally still feel like it holds up. You know, uh, storyline wise, um, even as far as it goes uh as far as it goes with like the dialogue and even with some of the effects for me. So, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's just a matter of time now for more people just to check it out. I, I feel like that time is, is coming up soon. I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned it. Like I, there, the movie does have imperfections, but in a weird way, I think it's imperfections are almost endearing in a way. Um, because like, yeah, I, I I don't know if you would call it an imperfection at all, but there's something very kind of handcrafted and homemade about the opening title sequence. It's very simple, but it reminds me of so many 1980s horror paperback covers, you know, Mm -hmm. which I just love. And, you know, I think that kind of homemade feeling extends to, you know, some of the special effects in the movie. I think the stop motion looks incredible in this. It's not always perfect, but it's, absolutely 
preferable to the CG that would probably realize these characters today. Yeah, I, I really miss stop motion. Anytime I see it in an older film, it kind of makes me sad to think that that art form seems to have gone away forever because who, you know, nobody's doing stop motion these days that I can think of. Are you, do you know if any recent movies have used stop motion or is it all just, it's just CG now and other trickery, I think. Sadly, not, not, I can't really think of any. Yeah, which it bums me out because, you know, it's almost like practical effects too, you know, I mean, yeah, obviously that's still an industry which is thriving, but perhaps maybe not like it once was, like in the 80s and 90s when CG wasn't an option or a crutch to be used. And But it's still there. You know, you can mm-hmm. tune in any week on The Walking Dead and see any number of amazing practical effects on display, you know, weekly. I mean, that's pretty cool. But with stop motion, I can't say that that's the case. And I'm wondering, like, if that's kind of an art form that's going to be lost entirely simply because, I mean, who, who are the protégés? Like who are, who are the people passing along, you know, the ability to really craft amazing stop motion sequences? You know, who are the students who are taking that and carrying that kind of art form, you know, uh, down through the years? I don't know that there are any, I I would hope so. I have my fingers crossed there is, but to me, like I said, I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but I, anytime I see it on screen, whether it be, um, you know, dolls or one of the early puppet master movies or the, uh, the Chouinard sequences in uh, Hellbound, Hellraiser two. I just, it always strikes the eyes being fake, mm-hmm. but it's always kind of charming in a way and it never takes you out of the movie. And I miss that. I would, I would kill to see like a modern stop motion film, you know, or at least a movie that used stop motion effects in uh, in a major way. But the likelihood of that happening, I gotta say it's probably not too likely. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if you, um, if you're a fan, I'm sorry, I almost lost my train of thought. It just almost ran away. It's back now. It's back. I'm sorry. (laughs) The, uh, the writer of Dolls, and I might mispronounce his last name, but Ed Naha. Yeah. So, you know, something I thought was pretty cool, you know, he actually wrote, uh, Troll, the 1986 one with the boy Harry Potter. (laughs) Which is, you know, I, I really like that movie as well. I thought that that's, that had such a, it just had such a real, like, cool feel to it. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, Troll 2, you know, it's it's a funny movie, you know. Yes. Um, but I kind of prefer, obviously, the first one, just because I feel there's something, I to me, it has that magic that Dolls, I feel, has. No, you, I think you're totally right, and I think... You know, that's another movie that I think kind of needs to be rediscovered simply because I think – do you think it's kind of fallen into Troll 2's shadow? And Troll 2 isn't really taken that seriously. So I feel like, you know, I, the likelihood of people discovering the first Troll and finding out that it's actually a really neat, fun little movie in its own right and that it's not something to be – you know, it's uh, whether people like this phrase or not, I can't think of any other way to describe Troll 2 except being – uh, quote unquote, so bad it's good, right, you know. Right. Um, and I know people are probably going to have an issue with me using that phrase. Uh, we, we all know what it means. And it's, we it's all a, understand. It's a short. It's same thing with. Oh, that's another conversation we could have, and I've had on this show before. But the idea of. Yeah, people sort of bristling at so bad it's good or, you know, the term guilty pleasure. Everybody's like, you should never feel guilty for liking a movie. You should never think if it's, if you like it, it is a good movie. It's like people, it's not what I'm saying. I don't feel even remotely guilty. I'm not apologizing. I'm just using it as a shorthand. Come on, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) 
And and so, but that's totally what Troll Two is. That is a beer and pizza flick where you kick back and you kind of, you know, you 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 have a blast poking fun at the movie for ninety minutes, you know. But right. Troll. Troll is not that movie, and I think you're entirely right. I think Troll would sit comfortably along a shelf with dolls because mm-hmm. it does kind of have that mix of dangerous horror movie, but also enticing kids' film. You know, Absolutely. like kids kids would want. It. I remember being a kid wanting to watch that movie, mm-hmm. and then watching it and being more than a little creeped out by it. So, yeah, where the hell is the special edition of that movie? If we can get like a special edition of Troll Two, then by God, I want Troll on DVD or Blu-ray or something. Right. And it's, it's, it doesn't even stop there, even with this writer, because I feel like this could even be like, why stop at a double feature? Because I feel like if you watched um, Troll and Dolls, you know, one night, that would be a great time. But I would also want to add a, another movie. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie from 1988 by the same writer, um, Spellcaster, where no. basically, oh, my gosh, it is another full moon uh, movie uh, feature. But it's so good. Like, it's like, this was, I remember being so obsessed with this movie as a teenager. So basically, it's, oh, okay, and I'm probably going to get, like, people are probably going to be so upset for me to sit for saying this. If I, we talked about, you know, doing certain remakes, right? Mm-hmm. We had a whole conversation. But if I had, you know, the opportunity to remake this movie Spellcaster, oh my gosh, I would do it ASAP. But basically, it's about these people who are participating in like this contest where they're on a hunt for um, a million dollar check. And it's at this like exclusive, beautiful, gothic Italian castle, you know, cause they're somewhere in Italy and it's a nice looking castle, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of haunted. There's some stuff going on, but then one by one, some of the participants, you know, stuff is happening to them like during their treasure hunt. But yeah, it's really there's some music too in the beginning. Oh my gosh, jinx. <laughs> like the opening is so good. I think that it's streaming on Tubi. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But I feel like it would fit perfectly with, you know, uh, Troll. Watch Troll first, then Dolls, then Spellcaster. That is a good time. That is a, that, that's like a hit. Okay, so can we 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 have tried to put together a triple feature for ages. We're in the middle of a pandemic now, so clearly, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be a while. But can we convince Rico to make this a triple feature that we check out? We need to do. Matter of fact, no, it's not just Rico. It's you. I feel like I've been <laughs> I've been inviting you for like years, even before what's been going on, and you've just been too busy and too hip to hang out with us. Never, never too hip. <laughs> likely always too busy yes yeah i the the last well i was gonna say the last job that i had my schedule there was kind of crazy every shift was what i called a day killer shift where it's just like you know you wake up you know in the morning and then your shift ends when it's super late and you have just enough time to like eat dinner and go to bed and then get back up the next day they were they were not fun so the prospect <laughs> of being able to watch a triple feature even at my own place let alone travel yeah, what, like two hours, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we will do it one day because currently I'm not working anywhere. But of course, okay. we, there's, there's also a deadly virus out there in the world. So, yeah. but we will do this at some point. At some point. And then, you know, something I was thinking about, Um, you kind of reminded me, you know, like a lot of people, I was actually thinking about this, like as far as it goes with like, you know, like a kid's 
like horror movie marathon. And I feel like, you know, some people, when they think about kids' movies, they'll think about like um, Monster House, Coraline, and those are great. Those are cool movies too. You know, I don't look under the bed, Return to Oz. Those are great movies. But I was thinking about, you know, some of my favorite, but that's a whole nother conversation because I was thinking about some, you know, movies that they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're like dolls because they're not, but it has that essence of dolls. Um, but I feel like it would be perfect for kids because it's not too creepy. Like, I don't know. I mean, I watched a lot of stuff that, you know, I probably shouldn't have as a, as a child. But I also remember watching, um, you know, some, some stuff that was, it wasn't really marketed towards kids, but I think it should have been. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny, as we're talking about this, it's something I've considered too. Do you feel like kids don't really have much in the way of those kinds of gateway movies and stepping stone movies when it comes to horror films or even, you know, even action movies, more adult movies, you know, uh, R-rated films or even the hard PG-13 where, you know, when a kid gets of a certain age, I mean, there are... You know, there are 10-year-olds, I think, who are more mature than some 20-year-olds when it comes to the content that they can watch. You know, I remember being a kid, and because of uh, all the stuff that I would sneak and watch or whatever, then by the time I was, like, 11 and 12, I was, you know, watching all the Hellraisers and reading Clyde Barker and the Basketball Diaries and any number of things, you know. (laughs) Um, And I, oh, my God, speaking of the Basketball Diaries, and talk about maturity, that book was stolen out of my backpack, Oh, my God. Kid you not, in high school, and it was passed around without my knowledge uh, during an English class where people were like, at first they were like, what is this? I, I assume. Uh, and then eventually they got, they started reading all of the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> the more racy sequences in the book. And then all of a sudden I was like, I had to track the book down and shut the conversations down before I would get in trouble for having the book in school to begin with. So... They, they just, you know, there were so many narcs in that school. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, um, but no, no, I, but yeah, do you, do you feel like that's the case? Or do you think there are sort of like still great gateway horror movies being made for kids? Because to me, any, I don't know, any of the kids movies that are discussed as being gateway movies also just seem to be kids movies with a capital K. Like they're, right, you right. know, I don't see anything harder or edgier or kind of, you know, pushing the envelope a bit for kids. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing beyond like an episode of Scooby Doo, right? Um, I I agree with you. It's I feel like lately these days, <laughs> it's definitely hard. And um, I remember I actually tried. It's this is terrible, and I probably I probably sound sound like a, a I'm going to sound like a bully, but um, one time my niece she was visiting, and um, I was really excited because you know usually there's there's a lot of guys on my on Rico's side of the family so it was like really exciting that she was you know around so I'm like whoa this is great so after playing and stuff we we watched a couple of things but I I guess you know like she's like a a Netflix professional she watched majority of everything in the kids section right so I said okay instead of going to Hulu you know I was like well have you ever seen this and it was goosebumps and she said no so I hit play and this girl was afraid of the theme song. Like, girl, nothing even happens. <laughs> you know, and you know, she she's um she's seven. And I remember watching this at her age, at maybe even like a little bit younger, and I was just like all for it, you know, and I couldn't understand, you know, there was some creepy stuff about, you know, 
with Goosebumps, but how can you deny that theme song? Like, I remember always dancing to the theme song. <laughs> but, yeah, she was, like, she was really frightened by the song. And it's, like, the daytime. Like, the birds were chirping. The sun was just bright. So, but, yeah, um, you know, then it's, like, I, I was trying to find something to help her transition, you know, into some things. And there's been... Like a couple of things, I unfortunately I forgot the name of this one movie that I put on for her, uh, but basically it was about um, a monster that was living. It was like a real life type of movie of not like not an animation, just like a monster that was living under this kid's bed. It wasn't monsters, you know, little monsters, but yeah, it, it was That's very. A great movie though. <laughs> it is, it is right because what's funny is I have nephews and they're between the ages of thirteen and. Well, I want to say between 8 and 13, 8 and 15. They've never seen the movie before. They loved it, you know. But, you know, perhaps, you know, because they're guys, they're little boys or whatever. So maybe that's why. But, you know, I, I was really just trying to find out what she likes besides from that kind of stuff. Because I noticed that she'll she'll watch certain things, obviously, in a, in a group. She told me that she watched The, the Purge with her mom. So oh. you can't handle... The Goosebumps theme song, like, you know, so, I mean, she could have been, you know, telling a little lie, but, you know, I was excited to try to find something for her. And I remember um, actually even, you know, trying to come up with like a little list for her, you know, for the next time that we see each other. And yeah, but, you know, everything that I've been trying, it, I haven't been having the best of luck, like I'm, I'm not going to lie. So um, it's, it's been, it's been a little challenge. No, I hear you. And I, God, that is the best thing, too, when you can find like a burgeoning horror fan and you can make them a list of things mm -hmm. that they need to see. Uh, which, by the way, I am putting down Spellcaster as a must-see now because it is, it's not just Full Moon, which I'm kind of a sucker for anyway. Some stuff, maybe maybe not the most recent stuff, but even then, you know, some of the Puppet Master stuff. But um, like the early days, like late 80s, early 90s, Full Moon is just... Uh, the full moon that I grew up with, I just adore. And somehow I missed Spellcaster. But, uh, you know, and it's funny, like, Dolls seems to me like the precursor to so many full moon movies. Even though it wasn't full moon, right? It was, uh, I think it was Empire, which was also Charles Band. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to me, I'm kind of a nerd for Puppet Master. I love the first three. Four and five are fun. And then after that, you know, mileage varies. But, um <laughs> You know, watching Dolls, I remember seeing it for the first time, again, you know, a couple of years ago. And when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is the best Puppet Master movie. Like, this is this is the best made Puppet Master movie that isn't actually a Puppet Master movie. Um, and I just got, it seems like, you know, everything that that franchise would become, like the seed of it is right there in that earlier film. And I got to imagine mm -hmm. that Dolls was some kind of influence on Puppet Master. But um, I, I, I think so. And it's... It's weird because even with um, with Spellcaster, like even though it's there's a point to this little mini story with the writer who wrote it, he left like last minute, right? So then someone else came on board, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm can't remember the man's name at the moment, but he oh, also it like it was uh, Dennis Pally. Yes, him. He also wrote um, like a couple of episodes for Masters of Horror. Uh, both of the dentist movies, Castle Freak, Body Snatchers. So he has like a, what's that? He even wrote Reanimator. Yes. So it's just like, you know, that magic is even in some of those movies. 
Yeah, I love it. And plus, I mean, yeah, you know, I say it's Puppet Master. I mean, those movies are kind of contemporary in a way. Well, some of them, some of them are, you know, stuck in World War II. But, you know, this one, even though it seems contemporary as well, it also seems like it's a bit out of time. And, you know, you mentioned a few times that it's kind of like a fairy tale. And, you know, the country setting and the house that kind of looks like, you know, at a distance, it almost looks like a castle. You have an awful stepmother. You have... um, Yes. You know, the Hillary character, the uh, the dollmaker's wife, the uh, the as somebody calls her old witch, which she mm-hmm. notes is a good guess, uh, setting a bowl of soup in front of Judy while sizing her up. You know, what's the line? She's like, uh, you know, she like pinches her finger and is like, yeah, this will put some meat on your bones. I mean, that's totally yeah. Hansel and Gretel, you know, <laughs> uh, Judy is even shown reading Hansel and Gretel. Uh, and, you mm-hmm. know, the it seems to me like the opening act of, act of this movie, it really sort of strikes a tone of it all being not unlike a fairy tale. And I'm usually the last guy to say, you know, but is it horror? You know, and this, surely this movie is a horror movie, but you know, at the same time, it's spooky, but it's never outright scary, you know, mostly mm-hmm. because the, you know, the only people under threat in this movie, uh, you know, being harmed and killed are, they're all pretty terrible. You know, there's kind Absolutely. of a level of, I mean, it's just, you can't help but pump your fist a little bit every time that happens. And there's a level of wish fulfillment here on the part of the audiences watching these people get taken out by the dolls and kind of getting their comeuppance. And I just, I love it so much for that. But I don't know, it's 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 horror, but with like a footnote attached, mm-hmm. I think. I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that's kind of what, what kind of stood out for me too. Like even um, talking about the, like the relationships you know, Rosemary openly has a, you know, dislike for Judy, you know, but surprisingly, so does um, David, her father. And I've never really seen that before in a movie or in a fairy tale. So that was kind of, you know, cool to see, like to see how, you know, this is going to unfold. And even with that, like um, one of another, um, Oh, a couple of more people, they are staying at the, at, they kind of barge in and, and stay at the house or the mansion, you know, with the families. Um, and it's Ralph. And he's with like the two punk rocker hitchhiker girls. But I really, really like, well, loved Ralph like a lot. You know, he was just like a big kid. And it's unfortunate, but I heard that there was supposed to be a sequel. <gasps> really? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was supposed to be a sequel, and sadly it was canceled. But um, basically, Stuart Gordon, he was very interested in directing a sequel where basically the storyline would follow Judy and Ralph, and they're back in Boston. And Ralph married Judy's mother, and they became a family. And then, you know, Judy, she was, uh, she was supposed to, like, receive, like, a box, um, you know, from, the, from Gabriel and Hillary. Um, and it was them as dolls. So that sounds amazing. I love that. Right? Setup. Uh, yeah, one, but it I, never happened. I still yeah. want to believe that that's canon. Like I, I want to believe that that's what's in the future for all of those characters. So <sighs> <It's>, <laughs> that, that sequel I feel would have been awesome. I, I know it would have like, because I don't know, this is kind of jumping ahead, but you remember even at the end, um, it was Ralph and Judy leaving and, you know, Judy was telling Ralph about, you know, Boston and her mother. And that she's very pretty and, you know, she's single, you know, it was, it was really cute. So I don't know. It's just, it's just, uh, it just brings me, it just makes me really happy thinking about the movie, talking about it. And the actor is really great too. Like he's, he's like instantly lovable in a way. And, yes. uh, 
the actor I'm looking it up right now, his name was Stephen Lee. I recognized yeah. him, even though I hadn't seen the movie in years. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was like a staple of my childhood because it was on, you know, got any number of stations, I'm sure, when I was growing up. But uh, Robocop 2. Mm -hmm. The moment I heard his voice in Dolls and saw him and I was like, oh, my God, that's a crooked cop from Robocop 2. He is the <laughs> guy who was working with Kane, who sells him out after Robocop smacks him around an arcade. Kane mm -hmm. puts him on a table and threatens to have somebody cut him open. He gets his information. You know, everything's cool. They all have a laugh. And then, you know. He winds up getting cut open anyway. I remember Kane's girlfriend, the Tom Noonan character's girlfriend, and it's saying something like, you were just going to scare him. You know, to which the reply is, doesn't he look scared? You know, but yeah. I just, he's so, there's something so indelible about that actor. And I'm looking it up. It's kind of sad. It looks like he passed away in 2014. Yeah. He was a relatively young man too, mm -hmm. which is kind of a bummer, but he's amazing. Honestly, the entire cast is fantastic too. Right down to, um, you know, we were talking about Puppet Master. But Guy Rolfe playing Gabriel here. Yes. I mean, that is, you know, that is the man who would play Toulon from the third film on uh, in the Puppet Master franchise, at least when he's not a young man. And um, God, he's so great in this. Who is he that is, guy? What else has he, he been in? Uh, I, well, we don't you love his voice? Isn't it so soothing? Like, it is in a way, like he is, you know, refined and soothing in a way that you, I, I could see him playing like, a role that Peter Cushing wasn't cast in in an old Hammer film. Like, if Cushing were doing something else, you know, I could see them snapping their fingers like, okay, we need a Peter Cushing type. Mm -hmm. And I could see this guy coming in and nailing it because he's so good. He is. He is. But I, I'm not too sure what else he's he's been in. Um, but, like, besides from, like, the, uh, the Puppet Master movies. But obviously, you know that he had, like, a, a resume on him. I would hope so, yeah. You know what? I've got the net pulled up right here. There's a younger picture of him. Man was born in 1911. Mm -hmm. That's impressive. Uh, let's. Oh, my God. He, had, he did loads of things, going all the way back to uh, 1937. So there are so many roles that he did throughout the years that I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Guy Roth played the title character... In William Castle's Mr. Sardonicus. Whoa! Nah, mind blown. All right, that's... I guess I gotta rewatch that movie now. I love that movie. I just never made the connection that that was him. I know that. That's fantastic. Sorry, I'm just going on, it's okay. on, a, on a, a little Guy Roth side road here. But, um, you know, I... Yeah, I, I know I keep bringing up the Puppet Master franchise here, but, like... Maybe one thing that this movie doesn't have, and I don't think it's necessarily to its detriment. I think it plays into the story that's being told, certainly. But there are no hero dolls. And I don't mean dolls that are heroes, because Puppet Master eventually became that, too. But, I mean, there are no... Aside from maybe Punch, and obviously the dolls that the uh, all the bad people are turned into by the end of this film, mm -hmm. there are no dolls that seem to have, like, distinct personalities or distinct looks. There are no, like... You know, when it comes to gremlins, like, there, there's no stripe, you know, like, um, right. and I, I'm wondering, like, is that something to feel that the movie is missing? Or do you think it's even creepier that they're all kind of, you know, uh, nondescript in their own way? They're all kind of uh, uniform uh, for the most part. I kind of, I kind of thought that that was um, creepier than the fact that they're all, like, uniformed. Because even when I think about those soldiers who, um, who was uh, kind of blowing well, I, that sounds so mean, but with with the soldiers, 
you know, with the bullets, um, you know, with them, like they all just seemed like they were on the same page. And even with, again, I keep on bringing up Eden, Eden, when she was, um, you know, going off to find antiques, you know, <laughs> did that make you laugh when she referred to antiques? <laughs> like, <laughs> there are so many things about that character that are just kind of like, that exists solely to kind of smack you in the face a little, like even from the moment that they all burge into the house, yeah, you know, you, there's already tension at the table because you can tell that Gabriel and uh, Hillary are not really taken with uh, Judy's parents, but they like Judy, but you know that the parents are trying to play nice because they have a roof over their head, but also they have, they despise their own daughter. And so there's all this <laughs> bubbling tension, but it's all kept under the surface. It's all very, everyone's so polite. And then just boom, out of nowhere, you have like this bomb dropped and all these three people barging in, like swearing, you know, just <laughs> being loud, being crass. It's so much fun. I agree with you. Like, I just love when she barges in screaming how she feels. <laughs> Can you imagine if someone just, you know, ripped open your back kitchen door and that's what they're saying? But then not only that, but like even taking a moment to go back to Rosemary. <laughs> okay. Rosemary is terrible. Okay. She's arrogant. She's rude. But she is fabulous. You know, <laughs> she's pretty. She's pretty. I've always thought, even as a child, like, whoa, she is fab. You know, like, she just always just so coordinated with the outfits and the sunglasses and the fur. Like, whoa, you know? So, but yeah, and, and I'm thinking to myself, too, even as far as it goes with um, Judy's dad, at first you didn't think that he was that bad until you hear, like, really how he feels about his daughter. And then it's crazy because it's like, okay, Rosemary is clearly rich, okay? Because, you know, she kind of makes a comment about how, you know, with the with David paying child support, but he's not paying, she's paying. So I'm thinking, if you guys both don't like her, why don't you just, you know, pay the mother off? You know, don't just only pay, you know, monthly fees or child support. And, you know, then that way you guys could be wherever you want to be. You know, I almost wonder if... I mean, given how quick to violence David ultimately becomes by the end of it, you know, thinking the worst about Ralph and, you know, with the open disdain they have for their daughter, I'm wondering if their big trip, if, you know, I, I without benefit of running across a house full of murderous dolls, if they had just taken their vacation as planned, I am wondering if Judy would have made it back home anyway. Like, I'm mm. wondering if there wasn't a planned accident in the offing there. Like, that's the feeling that I got. Is that they were, I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't have put it past Rosemary. She might have been fabulous. And David might have a marvelous set of PJs because those <laughs> yeah. I, I do love those. But I was going to say, I'm sorry. I realized that I was calling the British girl by the wrong name. Um, it was her name. That one is Isabel, like the one who was like crazy. And screaming and stuff. Because she's also the one that's in Spellcaster. Really? Okay. Yeah. So she, Enid is the one who just kind of wanted to just, you know, kind of lay low. Just, you know, not try to take Ralph's wallet or, you know, steal from the old people because she felt like they were like her grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> they they were both terrible, though, just to varying degrees. They were. They were. But, you know, it was, it's really... Um, it's cool, like especially when you do check out um, Spellcaster, you'll see her, and she she looks a bit cleaner, so that's nice. 
Okay, so I got to ask, how does this movie rank for you when it comes to the pantheon of like killer doll movies? You know, we have we have Child's Play and all the sequels and the surprisingly good remake. We have uh, Trilogy of Terror. We have uh, a movie we've discussed at length, Pinocchio's Revenge. Mm -hmm. Uh, How how does how does dolls rank for you out of I have not seen Dolly Dearest. I need to pick up that Blu-ray. But I know. No, but you know what? I was actually looking up um, Dolly Darris because uh, a friend of mine, he actually wants to see it. And the prices for Dolly Darris, they're pretty high. Really? I, yeah. Is it out of print? or I, I believe so. No! Yes. But, I mean, it's that's another favorite of mine. I think that you'll enjoy. It's not like Dolls. Um it always struck is, me as a little like a child's play ripoff in a way. In a way, it is. Um, you you know the the storyline. I I've seen a trailer. That's about okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I think is pretty far fetched, and it's just like what that the family why they relocated because the father he purchased this. Um, is this okay for me to tell you? Yeah, please. So he purchases um, this, or he purchased this, uh, like, toy factory. It's like a doll factory. And he wants to make a lot of money off of, like, these unique dolls, right? But I remember seeing these dolls as a little girl, and I was just thinking to myself, well, I don't know if I would want one, because they didn't really look that cool, you know? (laughs) But then the factory just so happens to be near um, a a mine or, like, a, a place that's, like, haunted or, or cursed or something and you know so that's that's kind of where it's that to me is a little like far fetch but like I get it in a way but I still enjoy it like I'm not putting this movie not putting it down at all like I actually really love that movie but I think that that's that's how you know if you really like it because you can be honest about it that's fair yeah oh. so so would you say that like yeah, in relation to dolls, like how does Dolly Deer stand? Or even, you know, like would you put dolls at the top of the heap when it comes to that entire subgenre? Um, I would, but I'm a little bit biased. But at the same time, I still feel like it is a worthy addition, you know, to the whole killer doll um, movie list because even though this movie has a low budget, truth be told, it doesn't it doesn't feel like that at all. And I feel like with Stuart Gordon, you know, I feel like he was one of the most talented horror directors of all time. And I always felt that way. Um, So I felt like he made the film look, in my opinion, expensive. He made that home look expensive, like, you know, with the props. And it was like just the little details. And I know we were talking even with the characters, you know, um, there were certain, you know, things that they would say and they would do and you know, the interactions, like, I I personally feel like it's it's gold. But then on top of that, it's kind of like, even outside of the doll aspect, we still get a nice setting for a spooky, like, old-fashioned type of, like, dark fairy tale film. And then even back with the dolls, because that's what you asked me instead of me just going down a rabbit hole again. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I still feel like I, I like the way the, the dolls look because in ways, you know, Mr. Mr. Punch as an example, that's a cool looking doll. But like you said, outside of that, there's not really um, ones that kind of that stand out, but they're but they still look creepy because I always think about the dolls that were kind of sitting up on the mantle. 
near the jewelry box. Oh, um, yeah. And with those dolls with their sharp teeth and the way their eyes, they, they, those were like realistic human eyeballs. And now we know, perhaps there's a human in those two, you know, two dolls. So um, I don't that know. That was the I, creepiest revelation to me when they finally start getting bashed and you see that there are these tiny little... You know, uh, like almost skeletons yeah. inside, a- except, and I thought this was interesting, except for Punch. And does that mean that Punch was not a person? Like, was that the very first doll? Was that the very first Punch ever crafted by Gabriel? And the fact that he was broken meant that he had to be replaced by a real person, I wonder? That's a good point. I mean, I, I guess that's that's exactly what it was. I, I thought that maybe, you know, that was actually just a doll, you know, just to keep her company. That you know? Um, but then, you know, when her father <laughs> decided to smash his head and break him and stuff, then, like you said, they needed to replace him. Yeah, I got a real, like, uh, <laughs> even though the movie came far later, I had seen it first, but that movie The Boy that came out a handful ah, yes. like uh still haven't seen the sequel heard mixed things i'll get around to it eventually but with the boy the moment where somebody picks the doll up and smashes it to bits mm-hmm. i had this like knee-jerk reaction like you you can't do that that's not, that's <laughs> not something you're allowed to no you know right. and i felt the same way with punch i was like <gasps> you know not punch you can't break up punch and judy yeah you know? but and- they did and, you know, even going back, uh, we kind of talked about this. I do feel like this is a movie that kids could watch, uh, depending. Obviously, I don't have any kids, you know, um, but I think that it could be a movie that they could watch. You know, I feel like it's it's kind of like in the same category for me, like um, as Troll, as we previously talked about, um, as well as Monster Squad, The Gate, you know, um, just, you know, something real a little that has that little kiddiness to it because it's about kids. You yeah, know? I could see that. And even the gore is, you know, while it's pretty, you know, it's fairly extensive at, at, at points. I still don't think it's anything that's, you know, there is even a cartoonishness to those sequences. Like, you know, I mean, even for the early Teddy sequence, you know, Judy's dream mm-hmm. that bit where, <laughs> you know, her dad and stepmom are pretty gorily dispatched, you know, it's still like fantastic enough in nature that I don't think it would traumatize any kids watching it. They might hide their eyes for a second and then be pulled right back into the movie because right. that's what the movie does. Even after that sequence, it manages to lull you into thinking again that this is almost a kid's flick. And then, you know, um, you know, you, you, you get the character who's bashed to death, you know, and you remember, <laughs> Oh wait, it's that kind of movie. But yeah, I, I don't know. I would I would be keen to see what, you know, kids these days would make of the movie. Me too. And even with you mentioning that um that scene with uh Judy's Teddy, and she's just like, Oh, Teddy, and I'm just like it was so shocking. But I guess that was just like a reminder that, you know, you're you're watching a Stuart Gordon movie, so don't forget, you know, that particular scene. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, it's funny too, there's kind of that expectation set up early on that Judy's imagination might even, you know, give way to some of the more crazy supernatural shenanigans that happen later on the film. Ultimately, that's not what happens. We find out that, you know, Gabriel is a, you know, enchanted doll maker and Hillary is a witch. And uh, 
you know, but I, I love ultimately what that becomes then, you know, the idea that she could have these outlandish hallucinations, not hallucinations, but kind of like daydreams, as it were, because right. it makes it so easy for her parents to just look beyond her concerns and not pay attention to her. Like, oh, yeah, there are little people running around. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> little, yeah, that helps. But, yeah. Uh, but I, I love that idea. I love that, you know, a child's the fact that a child can have an imagination in the first place mm-hmm. all of a sudden means that, you know, their word when it comes to, uh, you know, anything potentially threatening happening you know, can all of a sudden be undercut by that very same imagination, the fact that they had it in the first place. You know, it's the it's the boy who cried wolf. You know, well, sometimes mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe there's a wolf, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And like I would maybe. think, you know, as, as her parent, you know, that he would at least check it out, you know, what she's, what she's talking about. You know, I feel like. I'm telling you, there was a shallow grave in that kid's future. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. And it's like, I don't. I guess, like, even with the message, kind of like what you said, it's like, you know, don't take your kids for granted. Listen to your children, you know, love and care about her. Give her the, you know, the care and love that she needs. And it just seems like at the end, and even when we talked about um, the sequel, which, you know, sadly we didn't get, but, you know, Ralph, you know, he, it seems even at the end that he was going to be her new dad and he treated her from the start. With love and care, he listened to her, you know, and I, I think it's just that simple. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's ultimately why he is, you know, there is a morality to the movie that I love. I think that's why he's spared the notion that the only people who make it out of that house are the, you know, even Hillary intones it at the end. There's the child and the child at heart. And right. I love that they're the ones who escape with you know, nobody really dies, and I kind of love that about it. You know, ultimately for all the creepiness and the death and the bloodshed. The movie has an upbeat ending. You know, we discovered <laughs> that the bad people, they weren't even killed. Not really, you know. Mm-hmm. And Ralph and Judy drive off into what we imagine will be a happy, happy future, you know. And they all lived happily ever after. I right. think that's kind of the perfect way for the movie to end. I agree with you. <laughs> all right. Somehow, some way, we have approached an hour discussing this movie. Time always flies when you and I chat, uh, Hori. Always. <laughs> Can I ask, do you have any final parting thoughts on Stuart Gordon's dolls? Uh, that if you haven't, you know, checked this movie out, I highly recommend it. This isn't something, I feel like dolls isn't normally what would come, you know, from a Stuart Gordon movie. Because even when I think about Reanimator and From Beyond, like, obviously those are just filled with, like, gore and blood. Um but Dolls is not as violent or gory, but it's still creepy and it's still very effective even to this day. So I just recommend like just giving it a shot. I know that it's streaming for free on Tubi right now. Nice. I can't wait to watch it again and again. And then watch it maybe just one more time. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> that That is the feeling that the movie leaves me with. Generally, when I rewatch a movie, it, I'm good for a bit. Dolls right. is one of those movies, when you watch it, you just want to watch it again. Absolutely. Like, I rewatched it. I rewatched it last night, and I rewatched it this morning, just because it's fun. <laughs> All right. I, I agree entirely. I just, I, you know what? I might hop off here and watch it one more time. I'm going to tweet I think it. You, you should. You need to. And Spellcaster. Double feature. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, where can folks find you at online, and uh, what can we keep an eye out for from you in the future? Sure. So you guys can actually uh, find me on Twitter. I'm always lurking. It's lovely Zena. Also, I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, and YouTube. 
this Real Queen of Horror. And if you guys enjoy, um, you know, list, you know, top five, um, I want to say pets and horror <laughs> as an example, <laughs> you know, usually my, t um, usually my lists are kind of with a little twist. They're very particular. And that's because I watch a lot of movies, so it's hard for me to keep track. But once I have like a list, it's easy for me to like find like, oh, yeah, this movie had that. So, yeah, you know, you could uh, you could check that out. That is awesome. And listeners out there, definitely check out Zena's YouTube page. It is the videos are amazing. They're so much fun. So, uh, yeah, consider consider them like essential horror viewing, I think. So <laughs> but anyway, thank you again for choosing such a great movie to chat about and for pointing me in its direction in the first place all those years ago. Of course, my pleasure. Like for some reason, I had two copies of the DVD, and I was—I knew I was going to pass it to someone, and I'm happy it was you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to all you listeners out there. As always, please make certain to like, subscribe, share, use the comment section below. Scream at us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at Screamatics, and I am at Jinx1981. Until next time, folks. Thanks so much, and have a great weekend. I can remember every single toy I had when I was little. And they remember you, Ralph. <laughs>